This is Revive Chicago. Listen and be changed. What's kind of interesting, uh, in the time we've been here, I don't know that we've ever like sat through a testimony quite like that. Um, and especially it was two gals. And so I appreciated that. And you'll see why I'm going to say, why I'm saying that for my sermon this morning, because like I usually do, I'm going to teach, preach. And it's an interesting passage. You've probably never really heard a sermon on this passage before. And I think this is an important teaching because for guys and gals, it can help bring freedom. It can help break off some of that religiosity, some of that heavy yoke that religion has put on us through the centuries. And I, it's interesting because I think men and women both have this idea in mind of what religion is asking for from them and what the limits are and what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do. And not all of it is biblical. And so most of this sermon today is actually going to be directed at the gals. But guys, I want you to, we could say listen in or something like that, because it's important for you to understand that there's powerful women in the church and God designed women to be powerful. And this isn't at your expense. So in our day, a lot of the talk, a lot of the conversation, especially in the social sphere, is like, Men versus women. And there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of like, well, if men lose the power, then women are going to have the powers, so to speak. And there's this, this like weird, like, I don't even know how to describe it sometimes. I'm like, what, what is this thing that drives people to push it? It makes them so angry. It makes them so angry and frustrated and bitter at each other. And so you've got women that are just, they hate all men. And I'm like, why? Like, I know some men are jerks. I've met guys. Like, I get it. But at the same time, like, to have this feeling that all men are just terrible undermines the word of God because it says that man was created in his image. But then we've also got a huge history of women in the church being undermined, being pushed aside, brushed aside. They can't preach. They can't teach. They can't have leadership. Well, maybe they can teach Sunday school. We'll let them do that. And so they, there's been this refusal in the church to allow women to have a, play, a position of, you could say, power. And it's caused a lot of divisiveness. And so there's, there's some of you in this room, you're like, well, I'm kind of new to church in general, so I don't know what you're talking about. But most of us, even if we have no history of church, like you've seen how Catholic mass goes and you notice all the priests are male, right? And you see different, different branches, different denominations, and they've got an idea, a model of what church looks like. And just because tradition has been a certain way or focused on a certain thing doesn't mean that that's what scripture actually taught. And so the best thing to do is to look at Christianity through the lens of the Word of God, and we can not skip 2,000 years of history, but you need to make sure that you're rooted in the Word first, and then you build tradition on that. Because not every tradition is inherently bad, right? But some need to be busted up. Some need to shift and change, and some of our mindsets need to shift and change. Okay? So I'm going to start. We're going to be in Romans chapter 16, and we're going to really mine this this whole passage. And it's a passage that I have a feeling most of you skip over if you get to it. You get to this, this little portion. So chapter 16, it's just the end greetings of the letter. Like, well, I read the whole book and he's just saying bye to people. So I'll just skip that part and go on to Corinthians. And so I'm going to actually start in verse 17, chapter 16, verse 17. And Paul says this, I urge you brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them. This is kind of, this explains a little bit what I'm talking about, this division that's been in the church, right? This idea that men and women are at odds. And that if men have power, women don't. And that if women have power, men don't. 
and everything's at the expense of the other. And it creates this angst and bitterness and anger toward each other. And Paul here is saying, watch out for those who cause division. This isn't a new thing. Like we, we, we kind of perceive ourselves as this new generation and Facebook and Twitter and social media. And like, whoo, there's some division there, right? And so we act like this is all new. But all the way back 2,000 years ago when Paul was teaching this, he's talking about divisions in the church and people who are coming with an agenda for division. So if you run across someone, if you come across a teacher, if you come across a preacher who's teaching something that causes division, what do you need to do, according to Paul? Stay away from them. Stay away. If it's sowing seeds of division in your heart, then you need to understand, like, what they say is suspect. Stay away from them. Avoid them. Don't listen to those teachers. Don't scroll through Facebook and Instagram and social media and listen to those teachers. Because they're, they're sowing division and they're putting obstacles in the way. And so this is kind of where, like as the sermon starts to unfold today, I've seen and noticed that there's a lot of obstacles in the way for women. Some of them have been put there by man. You can say by men, right? They've created obstacles in the church. And some of them, I think, are in a woman's mind. They've created the obstacle for themselves or society has sort of created the obstacle. And so I want to make sure like you, as you're listening to me, guys and gals, you're not sitting there like, I'm, I'm accusing you. Like, th- women, this is your fault that you're second class. Like, I am not saying that. I'm actually, I want to empower you. Okay? So don't let that voice speak up because that's a voice of division, right? So my sermon today here is not to accuse you and say, it's your fault. You shouldn't let men run over you or what? Like, it's hard. Life is hard. Okay? So there have been divisions in the church and there have been obstacles put in your way, men and women. And sometimes those obstacles are different. And sometimes as men and women, we respond to obstacles differently. So as we're starting out this message, we need to make sure that we're exposing this divided culture. And it's divided over, I would say, three main areas. Gender is a big one right now, which is what we're going to kind of discuss today. Race is a big one right now. And politics is a big one right now. And so we look at people through the eyes of red or blue, and then we start to hate. We look at people through the eyes of male and female, and we start to hate and accuse. We look through people, look at people through the lens of black and white and brown, and we accuse people, and we are suspect, suspect of people, prejudice against people. And it's not good. It's not biblical. Paul says, stay away from people who talk about division. We've got to make sure that we tear that down. And so I'm kind of looking forward to this because I think this message is really empowering to the gals in this. I think this message can be really empowering to the gals in this room. Because as we're about to see, Paul actually trusted a woman to deliver this message to the Roman church. So now we're going to jump over to Romans 16 verse 1. So we're in, we were in verse 17 there. We're going to jump back to verse 1 of chapter 16. And Paul says this, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Centria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Now this doesn't sound like, oh wow, that's empowering. Like at face value, You look at this and you're like, okay, she's going to help. What does that mean? Well, our translations really kind of undermine what Paul is saying here. And it would have been fully understood by the Greeks of the day, well, the Romans of the day. They're reading this in the Greek language, but it would have been understood by them what Paul is saying here. So he's sending Phoebe with the letter. Now, culturally, we're used to like just throwing a stamp on something and getting the right address and it gets there in a couple days. But in their day, to send a letter, there was no like, 
ubiquitous government that you could just send your mail along with. You had to send your mail with a traveler. So if you wanted to write a letter and get it somewhere, you had to put it in the hands of a trusted person. So the fact that Paul is sending this with Phoebe is huge. This is a trusted person in Paul's life. So he like scanned the room, looked at the church where he was writing from, and he decided Phoebe is going to be the most trustworthy person. And guess what? She's going to have to explain and articulate anything that is not understood. Like what's Paul talking about here? She would have actually been the first preacher from the book of Romans. Because not everybody in that day was literate. So she's not just delivering the letter. She's arriving in Rome and she's going to come and she's going to read the Roman the letter to the Romans. She's actually going to read it and sort of preach, teach from it. She's going to be the first preacher of the book of Romans. Uh-oh, women preachers. Paul was okay with women preachers? Yeah, Paul was okay with women preachers. In fact, the first person to preach from the book of Romans was a woman. And he sent her to Rome, and she was going to be the one presenting it to them. And he says, she's a servant of the church. And even this, like we're, we translated servant. The Greek word there is actually, I'm going to butcher this, like diakokos or something, but it means deacon or deaconess. So she would have been a deaconess in the church. And he says, he says she's a deaconess of the church in Centria. So she's actually in a position of leadership there. And it's likely that as that kind of deaconess, that she would have been the owner of the home that the church met in. That's not a lowly position. That's not how the church has typically presented women through the last 2,000 years. How many of you have ever, let's just do a show of hands. How many of you have ever even heard of Phoebe before? Like nobody's heard. You like maybe you've read this passage. And you're like, yeah, I, I I read Romans a couple months ago. I've heard of her, like a sermon on Phoebe, and yet here is this huge, I'd say, victory for women, and it's just glossed over and ignored for centuries. The first preacher from the book of Rome of the book of Romans was a woman. That's huge, and she's a deaconess. That deacons could only be men. So then Paul does acknowledge, Paul does acknowledge the thought of the day, right? Because it was still, it was highly patriarchal of the day, in the day. So he's making sure, he's like, you need to receive her well, in a way worthy of the saints. Give her any help she needs. So he puts on a little extra to make sure she's well received. Because he knows in their culture, she may not always be well received. But Paul's putting his trust in her to present this letter, to articulate the letter, and to preach the letter to the Roman church. And the Roman church wasn't like this huge Catholic cathedral at the time. They didn't exist. So it was a, it was a, a congregation of house churches spread all throughout Rome. So she wouldn't have preached it one time. She would have gone to one home church with 20, 30 people. Then she would have gone to another home church with 20, 30. And so she's probably presenting it multiple times and explaining the letter and teaching on the letter. And then he says, give her any help she needs, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. And that word help there, we're just like, you know, we kind of think of like this little handout or something like, oh, she's a good helper. She's, she volunteers in the children's ministry. or You know, like we kind of give this help doesn't sound that great. But the Greek word that gets translated help here is actually patron. So you could say like, benefactor. So she's actually a wealthy woman of the day. And the help that Paul is talking about would have been funding. So she's in a position of power, a position of authority. She's in a position of trust in Paul's life. And she's wealthy. She's using her money to expand the kingdom, expand the gospel. She's doing what she should with her wealth. This isn't just like, like she's a, a little helper. This is actually a big position, and she's been entrusted with something. 
I'm like trying to watch you gals' eyes. Like, I hope this is encouraging to you. Because this is, this is straight from the New Testament. What the Bible teaches about a woman. And somehow through the centuries, we've glossed over it and we've decided that there's certain roles for women and certain roles for men in the church. And now, obviously, men and women are different. They have different giftings. And there's going to be things that you're more suited for as a person, as a personality. And you need to find what that is for you. I'm not saying that all of you women in here have to preach. I'm just saying that scripture doesn't put a ceiling and say women can't do X, Y, Z, according to this. So don't put a ceiling on yourself. Don't put a ceiling on yourself in this church where I want men and women to be powerful in God with no limits. The way Paul released Phoebe to go function in her gifting. He decided she's the most articulate person to say and explain what I want to explain to the Roman church. That's huge. And she's been a big help. And it doesn't end there. So this passage, it just sounds like a bunch of greetings as we're going to continue to read. But there's a lot here. So we're going to keep reading. Verse 3. Then Paul says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. So this is another small thing. But... Notice that Priscilla, the gal, is mentioned ahead of her husband. We don't typically do that. We usually name the guy first, even today. And there's other passages, like in the book of Acts, <coughs> excuse me, where Paul mentions Priscilla and Aquila, and he actually says Aquila and Priscilla. But here in this letter, he tells he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, and he puts Priscilla first. This is not just a random anomaly. This is actually, like, scholars look at this and go, she must have been more prominent than her husband. How many of you have heard of Joyce Meyer? How many of you know her husband's name? Who's more prominent? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's some male-female relationship, and it doesn't mean, like, she's talked about her relationship with her husband. She's taught on how she gets along with him and stuff like that. Like, She's not sitting there usurping authority or trying to take over. They have a good relationship and a good marriage, but you know what? Who's more known? Who's more prominent? Joyce definitely is, right? And so it's not unheard of, but here Paul actually flips it, and he doesn't name Aquila first. He names Priscilla first. This is something that's like the, the brainiac scholars look at, and they're like, why did he do that? This isn't normal. When somebody was would write down a husband and wife together, they always name in, in Greek, in Hebrew, in Latin. Like, it doesn't matter. They always write the male first. And Paul switches it. Paul must have had a different view of men and women than the men and women of his day. He must have had a revelation from God of how men and women are supposed to function in the church. And he didn't mind inverting the order. Just to turn the tables. And then he goes on. Verse 5. Greet also the church that meets at their house. So Priscilla and Aquila have a church group that meets at their house. That means they're of some prominence. But if Priscilla is named first, who's probably in charge or the main speaker? She probably is. That's why he does it that way. Because he's saying, greet the, the church that meets at their house. What's Phoebe going to do when she gets to Rome? She's going to go read the book of what we call the book of Romans. She's going to unroll the scroll and read it to Priscilla and Aquila's church. And they're going to get to this part of the letter. And they're going to be like, yeah, that's me. Then greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives, who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Now, I don't know how closely you're following along or what translation you're using, but this Bible here, this is, this is the NIV version, 
and it was translated in 1984. Okay, so most of you, if you're following in the NIV on your phones, you're looking at this and you're going, wait, he didn't say what I thought he should say. So it says, greet Andronicus, and my translation says, Junius. But your translation probably said, hopefully, says Junia. Junia is actually the proper translation. So four centuries, up until this was translated in like 1984, the scholarship, King James Version, all the versions, they translated, they thought this must have been a typo, and they put a male name there. They changed it from Junia in the Greek to Junius. Why? Because they are outstanding among the apostles? Women can't be apostles, can they? Is that allowed? Remember, we're talking about the ceiling here, right? So for centuries, the translators figured that this must have been a mistranslation, and Junia can't be a gal. It's got to be a guy. So it's, it's Junius. Let's make it a male name, right? You miss, there's like Michaela and Michael. It, it, nah, they should have had the A on the end. It's Michael. You know what I'm saying? Like, you've got names like that, that even in our day, we've got the male and the female version of it. And for centuries, translators purposely changed this because in their mind, it's not possible for a female to be an apostle. So get this. Greed Andronicus and Junia. Now that now you're realizing they're a husband and wife team. My relatives, or he could, you could say my fellow Jews who've been in prison with me, they are outstanding among the apostles. They, the only way to interpret that is the, together. They're apostles, not he's the apostle and she's just the apostle's wife. They together are outstanding among the apostles. So now what do we have here? Let's just review. We're reading the final greetings of the letter to the Romans. And what have we started to uncover? We've started to realize that Paul entrusted a woman named Phoebe to be the first preacher of the book of Romans. And then Paul greets Priscilla first ahead of Aquila, which by itself doesn't seem like a huge thing, but now you're putting it in context, and you're like, Paul's doing something here. And then we get to Andronicus and Junia, and we realize there's a female apostle too. This is big. I just blew the lid off of a huge portion of Christianity keeping women in a box. I should be getting some more evidence from the women. <laughs> this is big. This is freedom. God wants women here in this room. God wants to empower you. He wants to entrust you with a letter. He wants you to speak. He wants you to share. He doesn't want you to just be a pew warmer. He wants you to be free. And you know what? That doesn't make you at odds with the men in this room. Because in Christianity, we shouldn't be, what did Jesus say? We shouldn't be vying for position. We should actually be trying to be a servant. We should be laying down our lives for each other. We should be able to recognize, like, this gal has a gift. I need to release her to speak, to share, to do, to minister. In whatever capacity that is. In whatever capacity that is, to be released. So we've got, here in Romans 16, we've got a woman preacher. We've got a woman leading the church that meets in their home. And we've got a woman apostle. This is great. This is encouraging. And you know what? You should listen to me because I'm not sowing division. Right? This is, how we, this is where we started out in this sermon. Paul says, anybody who's preaching division, if I was standing up here and trying to articulate how the Greek works and how it should still be junius and how it's a misunderstanding and blah, 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 like, that'd be sowing division, wouldn't it? If I was preaching something that's trying to keep women in their place, say, no, you have to fit in this box. You have to work this way. Now, there are scriptures that talk about how women should function and how men should function. But it's not to keep them in a box. It's actually to help you be released to your fullest extent. Right? Like, when, as, a, as a dad, my goal isn't to keep my children living as children. My goal is to train them, what? In the way that they should 
go. The goal is for them to go. The goal is for them to be released. So if you're at a stage in your walk with Jesus, some of you gals in this room, you might feel a sense of calling, a sense of destiny, something that you're supposed to do. And this doesn't mean some, like tomorrow you start introducing me as apostle or introducing yourself as apostle, right? That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is you're, this is a release for your mentality so you realize like there's no ceiling in God. I can be who God's calling me to be. Now there's going to be a season of preparation. Phoebe didn't just get to this point with Paul for no reason. She proved herself over and over and over again so that he trusted her. And so I don't know what season you're in. You might be in that season of proving, that season of training, that season of growth to become who God's calling you to be. It doesn't have to happen tomorrow, but the freedom needs to happen and start now. The freedom, the freedom just has to be start to be released now, today, unlocking your mind to realize like, I'm not limited. God's not limiting me. God didn't make all male apostles. And you could like, we live in the most egalitarian society ever right now. You think it was hard to push against the, you think it's hard to push against the patriarchy today? Think of what it was then. And Paul is doing it and he's releasing and empowering women to stand up and be a preacher, to be an apostle, to be the leader in a household church. It's huge. So we'll finish some more of the greetings here, just so you can hear me butcher some of these Greek names. Verse 8, greet, Ampli, greet Ampliatus, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the, excuse me, to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Even narcissists can get saved. Greet Tryphenia and Tryphosia, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. And notice like Paul's naming and greeting all of these people. He's never been to the church in Rome, but he knows all these people in the church in Rome. How do you get to know someone who's not ministering or laboring for God? Right? It's not like, like if these are the people that he knows in the church, like what does that say? Oh, how big the church is, so to speak, right? And then he's naming, he actually names in these, this portion of greetings, he names 28 people and 11 of them are women. And of those 11, he commends highly for the work that they're doing. For the work that they're doing. Someone who's even just been like a mother to him. And you can imagine like Paul just going through like, I don't know how many of you are familiar with his missionary journeys and all the things that he went through, but he got stoned a couple times. He got beaten with sticks. He got flogged a few times. Just to clarify, he wasn't getting stoned like people do in the modern day. He got rocks thrown at him. <laughs> just, just to be clear there. <laughs> and so he's been through a lot. He got shipwrecked. And so like for someone to be like a mother to him, like he probably needed that person in his life. And sometimes you assume the role you're supposed to take on because you assume someone is higher than you. Like how many of you would say, like he, um, he, he doesn't even name the mother. He just says, greet Rufus and his mom. But she's been like a mother to him. Maybe he knew her well enough, like she wouldn't want to be named in this letter. Maybe she was a shy gal. Maybe she like didn't feel like she was very important. But what does he do? He elevates her and recognizes the gifting in her life and how she has affected and impacted him. Some of you women in this room, that's your call. Motherhood is a high calling. Just plain, like motherhood is a high calling. It's okay. It's powerful. 
and it might feel like a ceiling or a limitation to you. But may, and maybe it's a season of your life or whatever. Because God, ha- God has, like, you're not, like, I'm not just saying, well, you have to only be, like, if you're called to be a mother, you have to only be a mother. Like, you can be and function in more than that, too, right? But my, <laughs> excuse me, my point is, don't limit yourself. I want to unlock those things. Don't put yourself in a box. Like, well, the pastor's saying I have to be an apostle, but I really just want to be a mom. Like, if you feel that call to be a mom, there's no such thing as just a mom. Like, mom is powerful. It has, there's a role that you're playing that's God-given, God-designed, and it empowers and changes your children's life. So it's not like we're going to say, like, apostles way up here and mom's way down here. Like, Paul's naming these people in the same list and recognizing their gifting for who they are. So as we continue to grow as a church, You've got to find your role. You've got to find your gifting and serve God to the greatest capacity you can. And that might be serving by helping clean things. It might be serving by, we've got people over there watching the children right now. I'm thankful because i got three of them over there. It's allowing me to preach. You know, some of you might have giftings and calling to speak, to share. Some of you, you just heard someone share a testimony about praying for healing. Guess what? Candace is not on the pastoral team. In Kansas City. She has no authority or she doesn't have a ministry with a newsletter. But you know what? She felt empowered. She spoke the word of God. She had a word from God to speak healing over somebody and she did it. It changed someone's life. A tumor disappeared because a woman had faith. You can be that woman. Unless you're a guy. I'm real. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be real staunch on that. Woo. Verse fourteen. Greet Asyncritus and Phlegion and Hermes and Petrobus and Hermas and the brothers with them. Greet Philologus, Julia and Nerus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Now, greeting each other with a holy kiss, that's kind of a cultural thing. I don't necessarily think we need to recommend that today. It's interesting because the church actually abandoned this because of abuse in the church. Like a couple centuries in, the church was like, we cannot do this anymore. (laughs) So it's in scripture. We could try to get back to scripture, but our culture is just totally different now. It would be weird. So then we get finally back to verse 17 where we started. I urge you, brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Now we have some context for this too, right? Like I gave a little bit of our own cultural context and the milieu we find ourselves in. But in their day, they were battling some of the same things. And Paul is... Steadfast. Watch out for those who cause division. And we don't need to, we don't need to, a little ring there. We don't need to make women feel like less than. As your pastor, I don't need to undermine or disempower women in order to feel like I'm really your pastor. Gals in this room, I want to empower you. I want to help train you. I want to, my job as a minister is to help you attain maturity in Christ, whatever level that is. And to release women to be who they're called to be. Whatever season that you're in. And I want to see that for you. I don't want, I don't want to be an obstacle in your way. If God has made me your pastor, then I'm not an obstacle to you, sir. I'm actually here for your benefit. And guys in this room, you don't have to look at women as some kind of competitor. Someone to debate, to win, to defeat. You actually see them as together, side by side, equal, working with you for the kingdom of God. 
empowering you. And when we both do this together, we're actually walking out the kingdom principles. When Whitney and I are who we're designed to be as a married couple together, that's when we accomplish the most for the kingdom of God. That's when we're the best parents. That's when we're the best ministers. But if we have it in our head that, well, Aaron can do certain things and Whitney like can't do those things, then it puts limitations. And if you women in, in this room, if you feel like you need to see a woman preacher just to be a woman preacher, then you might get frustrated. My goal isn't to be the male preacher in your way. My goal is to release you, to free you. And that should help you and encourage you. I'm not in your way. I'm not an obstacle. I want to empower just the way Paul empowered Phoebe. The way Paul spoke well of Priscilla. The way that Paul recognized Junia's apostleship. I want to recognize your gifting and empower your gifting and lead your gifting, not cause division and strife between male and female. Verse 18, for such people who cause those divisions and obstacles, right? For such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetite. So if you hear a pastor, if you hear a preacher or a teaching trying to put women in their place, what are they doing? They're trying to serve their own appetite, their own need for power, their own need for position. And so then they should be suspect, right? They may teach other good things, but if they don't have that heart to empower, to lead, to guide, to release, like Paul did, try to stay away from that because it's going to cause division. It's going to cause strife in your marriage. It's going to cause strife in your relationships. It's going to cause strife between even the single gals and, and single guys in this room. They're just trying to serve their own appetites by smooth talk and flattery. They deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience. So I am full of joy over you. And then he, we're going to kind of close here in the next verse or two. He says, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. And I feel like I've brought this up to you guys before at some point. But we live in a culture that's constantly trying, like almost this journalistic mind, like we've got to expose everything. We've got to expose all the darkness. And so you got people reading People Magazine and watch, reading all these online sites and trying to figure out the latest gossip. We live in a culture that's constantly trying to expose. And it's not with the right heart. And so you have to choose to be wise about what is good. Think about the things that are good. Be innocent of evil. How do you be innocent? Right? If, you, if you're watching a culture war unfold before your eyes on social media that's talking about men versus women, white versus black, male versus, uh, male, oh, I'm just being redundant now, male versus female, but uh, I'm preaching, so I lost my train of thought. But you're, you're watching that kind of battle unfold. What do you do? you got to decide and purpose to be innocent of that. Like, I'm not going to get dragged into these arguments. My job is to love. My job is to empower. So if you find that someone has been disempowered, what do you need to do? You need to be like Paul. You need to give that proverbial letter to someone who needs it. Who needs to feel empowered. Who needs to be empowered. Don't get dragged into the arguments of our culture war. Because Paul's saying that that war is not, it's not a real war. It's just false division and obstacles that are thrown in your way to cause strife. But today, we need to recognize it for what it is. It's evil. It's darkness. Those debates, those arguments are darkness designed to drag us down and keep us at each other's throats. Because the enemy knows that if he can keep men and women at odds, 
neither of us will truly be empowered. But if we come together, if women, you become who God's calling you to become. And men, if you release them to be that without feeling like it's at your expense, what can we, what can stop us? You know what I mean? If you look at the biggest battles we're facing right now in our culture, like if we could overcome the political divide, the gender divide, and the racial divide, what could God do? And this is the key. The church has the key. I don't, I don't promote people based on race or gender or politics. I promote people based on gifting. Because that's what Paul did. And I train, and I urge, and I encourage, and I speak well of, and I build up until you get to that position. That's what Paul did. And so he says we need to be wise about what is good. And in our day, that's something you have to like purposely set out to do. Because if you just take what's handed to you, you're only going to know about the darkness and evil, basically. Right? Like if you turn on Fox or CNN, what are you going to know about? You're not going to be wise about anything good. Except maybe there's a story this week about a fireman who rescued a cat out of a tree. You know, like every once in a while they do a feel-good story. But generally it's like all, everything's calamity. Everything's, every breaking news story is some latest tidbit that's actually about evil and darkness. And it causes our culture to go this way and that way. And it divides And we've got to be a church that does not live in division. We live in unity, bound together by love, innocent of evil. In verse 20, Paul says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. All right. That's the moment I've been waiting for. That's why I preached this sermon. Like, I want to see your heels crush the serpent head. Paul says it's under your feet because Jesus did it. Jesus empowered us. Jesus was the one. So this goes all the way back to the garden. This verse when he says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. It goes all the way back to the garden in Genesis chapter three, when God had to curse man, curse woman, and curse the serpent for the disobedience that they participated in. And God in the curse actually blessed woman. And he told the woman, he said, your seed will crush the serpent's head. That was Jesus. A woman brought forth the Messiah, raised the Messiah, and then we're sitting there and telling women that they're somehow second-class citizens? Who brought forth Messiah? Not a, a man wasn't entrusted with that job. Kind of a big deal, you know? And we're sitting there and we're kind of playing this who's who's game. Well, okay, well, women did that, but look what man did. Who was here? Adam was here first. And like we get into this like argument over silly stuff. And it's like, you know what? It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter who did what. We're trying to build the kingdom. We're trying to release people to their calling. And Paul says the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. If you want Satan crushed under your feet, you've got to overcome the division and the obstacles. Stay innocent of evil. Wise about what is good. And then the God of peace will crush Satan. That's how it happens. That's the process. So if you will do this, if you will recognize the division that's constantly coming at you, that's trying to make you suspect of the opposite gender, that's trying to make you suspect of other races, that's trying to make you suspect of other political views to where you can't even talk. Paul says, stay away from that. And if you will stay away from that, if you will overcome the division, you will crush Satan underneath your feet. That's the key, my friends. That's what God wants to do. I don't think we're allowed to hate anybody except pedestrians. I'm just kidding. 
if you're driving a car, I was joking with a friend about that last night, and it just like popped in my head again. Like, you know what? I don't think I think that's the only bandwagon I could jump on for hate. Like, I think I could, you know, like maybe we should be allowed to like bump one a year or something, like with no punish punishment or anything. <laughs> okay, it's a terrible joke. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. He doesn't say underneath the men's feet only. He says underneath your feet. God wants to put you in a position of power over darkness. God wants to put you in a position of power over the enemy. Not beholden to the serpent and his lies and his division and his evil. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you. And that's where I want to close this morning. You know what? We just read the final, the final greetings to the letter of Romans. There's actually so much there. Such richness that we look over or breeze past or it's kind of just lost in translation. And some of it was the fault of the translators. And some of it is just our English words don't translate well what Greek culture was trying to talk about. But today, we're fleshing it out. We're bringing it out. We're understanding culture. We're understanding society. And we're realizing that God doesn't have an agenda against you gals. God wants to empower you. And men in this room, as you've been listening to this sermon, I hope that you feel at the same time empowered and encouraged. You don't have to move out of the way to let women be. You just, you speak that same encouragement and empowerment. There's room for all of us. I don't have to shove Whitney out of the way to get my way. The best way to get my way is to bring her along with and be a team. And here at Revive Chicago, we are a team. We're not competing against each other. We're silencing the voice of the enemy. We're silencing the voice of darkness. And especially today, we are silencing that voice that keeps women in their place and says you can't go any higher, you don't get to speak, there's only certain roles that you get to have, there's only certain things you get to do. And God says today, no, there's more. There's women apostles. There's women prophets. There's women evangelists. There's women pastors. There's women teachers. There's women with giftings that need to be released that will help the church be who it's called to be. And if you women will do this, it will also raise the standard for us guys. Because it's how God designed it. Would you stand with me this morning? And I'm just picturing, like, if I had to leave on a trip, and I went, let's say I went on a missionary trip, to help build a church in Africa or Nicaragua or something. I was gone for four weeks. <laughs> and I pictured myself writing a letter to my church in Chicago. And thankfully, none of you have silly names, and I can spell all of them. But I'd write a greetings to each one of you. And I'd have different things to say. And encouragements for you. And things that I'd speak over you. I'm not sure who I'd trust yet to get noms But I'd entrust someone. And you know what? I wouldn't be thinking, I have to pick a guy. I don't feel that way. If I pick a guy, it's because that's the best person. That's the one the Lord led me to do. But if I wrote a second letter, it might be a gal. And I pictured, you know, writing a letter and saying hi to everybody and acknowledging the work and acknowledging the sacrifice and acknowledging the help. So I just want to encourage everyone in this room, like there's some of you that have done a lot, that do a lot. There's some of you that you feel this call, this push to serve, and you're like not sure how or what to do. How do I serve? You know what? Some of that we're, we're figuring out. We're a growing church. We're a young church. 
And so we might not fully have like a spot or a position or it might seem like you're not necessarily doing what you want to be called yet, called to yet. But we're in the beginning stages. So if you're just the cleaner here, you're not stuck being the cleaner forever. You're in the children's ministry. Children's ministry may not always be your future. But start with what you've been given. And if you haven't started taking over anything yet, if there's an area that you'd like to serve or you'd like to be a part of, let me know. And let's dream together about the church that we're building and who we're becoming as a community. Tell me the giftings that you have, the callings that you feel, the things that you sense. So that I can pray for you in that area. So that I can maybe empower you in that area and release those things in your life. So Jesus, right now I ask that you would build this church. That you would raise us up according to the biblical standard and not the standard of society and not the standard of age-old religion and tradition. Raise us up to be who we're called to be, male and female, together, not competitors. Raise us up. Convict us today to be more, to want to do more, to want to serve more, to find our place, to become that gift to the church, to the body, in whatever capacity it's supposed to be. God, speak that right now. Pray during this moment that you would speak to the hearts and minds in this room. Who they're to become. An apostle. A prophet. A letter reader. A children's minister. Preacher. A prayer warrior. Whatever it is, Father God, plant it in their heart. Stir the calling in them and help them become in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Now it's time to put your faith into action by applying this word to your life. If you'd like help taking your next steps with Jesus, contact us at revivechicago.church.